0: The greatest thing in the world. The greatest thing in the world. And, um, you know, there's one little section in there. Uh, Do you know, like, before 1905, Azusa Street, really uh, it wasn't known that people were uh, filled with the Spirit, uh, speaking in other tongues, just like the book of Acts, until way back before, you know, there was a period of uh, a lull there. And then, man, the Holy Ghost fell, and people got filled with the Spirit and began to speak uh, as the Spirit gave them utterance, just like in the Bible. And um, so in here, I think he wrote this before that, and uh, he doesn't make a derogatory comment about it, but he just talks about, you know, that tongues have passed away. Well, tongues actually haven't passed away. Other than that, that's the only stick that I know that you have to spit out. But concern in love, everything else he wrote on love and everything I've seen in there is very, very good, very good. The greatest thing in the world. And you can get it, like I said, you can get it for free online, or uh, we maybe even have some of these, I think we do, uh, that we could give to you. And um, anyhow, it's a really good book, and if you want to improve in your love walk, uh, let me tell you, it will be a blessing to you, and I'll just read you one little excerpt since I I didn't intend to talk that much about it, but it, it is a really good book, and Pastor Mark recommends to... Uh, uh, those of us in full-time ministry that we have to read this at least uh, when we first do it, read it for every month and then at least once a year after that. Uh, Henry Drummond. Henry Drummond. We can probably put a link to that on Facebook as well. There's so many good quotes, it's really hard to decide which one to give you. How about this one here? Love thinks no evil. Oh, praise the Lord. I love the spirit of the Lord. Love thinks no evil. This is one of my favorite quotes in here. And that's where uh, the Lord had led us uh, in preparing for the message here. (laughs) What we're speaking on is love thinks no evil, but I didn't remember that quote was part of it, so it goes right along with everything we're talking about. Love thinks no evil, imputes no motive sees the bright side, puts the best construction on every action. All right, so as I talk about love today, from the Word of God, uh, you know, make it practical in your life. So love puts the best construction on every action. I had a friend, and um, he was a, a pastor's son. And uh, he, was, he was on staff at a very large church, and he's on staff there. Man, he was, uh, some of the staff really kind of held him in low regard. That's like called despising. So, why? Well, that's the pastor's son. I mean, it's the same type of thing in a, in a big business or something like that. What if the owner's son comes in? You know, the pastor's not the owner. I'm not saying that at all. But, you know, uh, the people just feel like, well, you're here on staff because uh, that's your daddy, you know, type of thing. So he was kind of held in low regard. And... Um, You know, it's amazing, no matter what he would say in a meeting, no matter what he would do, boy, he was always like, had wrong motives in in some people's mind. Because why? Well, he was the pastor's son. Now, you wouldn't do that. I'm just saying some people do that. So you think of it like a business and, you know, the the business owner's child says something and, well, he's this, he's that, you know, before he says anything. Mm -hmm. Well, love thinks no evil. Love puts the best possible construction on a situation. In other words, and that is not easy on your flesh. Love thinks no evil. Well, we think, what is evil? Well, I looked up evil when I was studying for this, and it said evil indicates the lack in a person or thing of the qualities which should be possessed. That was the first definition for evil. Of course, it goes on and talks about what we would typically think of evil as bad in character, uh, bad morals by way of thinking, so on and so forth. But it's lack in a person of the qualities which should be possessed. Well, think of that in the realm of even other believers. And you say, like, well, how could they act like that? They have the life of God. They have the love of God. And look what they're doing. Well, think about it. You know, we're all different. Look at the creativity of God himself. That every person is different. That they, so different, like they they identify us by our fingerprints that are all different. And now they want to identify us by facial recognition, which is all different, which I'm not really happy about. They do 30,000 points on your face and they map them to uniquely identify you. No, and and apparently no two people have 30,000 identical points. So lack in a person or thing of the qualities which should be possessed. Well, why didn't they do this for me? How how come they did that? How come this happened? You know, if they really cared, they would be faster about doing this. Uh, They would do this, they would do that. So, love thinks no evil. That's 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 4, I think it's about verse 7. Love thinks no evil. So, when I read that uh, the other day, I I meditate on 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 8, every single day. So, this day when I was meditating on it, all of a sudden it just, my attention was drawn to love thinks no evil. And I hadn't really thought much about it. I just thought, okay, well, yeah, obviously. Why would you be thinking evil? Like, I'm going to think that Andrew's, you know, going, doing something evil like, uh, you know, just mutilating a rabbit or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not against hunting. I'm not saying hunting, but I'm just saying, like, abusing something. <laughs> Love thinks no evil. So that's where my mind always went. And then my attention was drawn to that, and I thought, I wonder what that means. Let me look up evil in that context. You know, like, the Greek word for evil is keikos. And I thought, what is keikos? You know? And so I looked it up. It's a lack in a person or thing of the qualities which should be possessed. Wow. The qualities that should be possessed. So you think, you know, you know someone. If you've been born again for any length of time and you've learned, if you're really born again, and you know, you know what? And they say, you're just trying to make a lot of money. right? Or you this or you that. It doesn't really matter what they say or what they do, how good it is. Uh, if you're not thinking the best and believing the best of them, well, you can just twist it and say, oh, but the opposite's true as well. What if you, we put the best construction on every action that they do? Oh, they must have been, they must have been tired. Or they must have been, you know, um, Brother Hagin was in a meeting one time and he said, somebody got up And they started saying things that sounded like they were uh, disparaging uh, the message of faith and believing God. And he said, I thought about getting up. But he said, then I thought, you know what? Maybe he just misspoke. Maybe he doesn't understand what he's saying. Or maybe he just doesn't know. Or maybe he this or maybe he that. In other words, you put the best possible construction on it. A little side note of that is, he said, so I just stayed. And he said, when I stayed, I had been praying about something, asking the Lord about something for 15 years. He said it wasn't 10 minutes after this person said something that if he understood correctly what he said was not biblical and he, you know, he wanted to like turn off, that the Lord, through that person, a question that he had had for the Lord for 15 years was answered 10 minutes after that. Well, it sure does pay to walk in love, doesn't it? you know think the best believe the best i think you just go ask the person afterwards is this what you meant you know if it's really troubling you love puts the best possible construction on every situation he said what a delightful state of mind to live in what a stimulus and benediction it's old language okay even to meet with it for a day and if we try to influence or elevate others we will soon see that our endeavor is successful in proportion to their belief of our belief in them. So if we try to elevate someone else, say like, you can do it, I believe in you, God's working in you, he's doing something in your life. He said, we'll be successful in direct proportion to how much they believe that we believe in them. In other words, Sharon, you can do it and how much Sharon believes that I actually really believe she can do it with the Lord, she'll succeed in direct measure to that, direct proportion to that. So, you know, if you've ever found someone, the easy thing to do when someone is falling and stumbling and making mistakes and acting foolish is just to say, wow, you're falling and stumbling and acting foolish and making mistakes. Why are you doing that? (laughs) You know, I mean like this. A pastor I used to have in Michigan, a very large church, like 10,000 people a week attend and stuff like that, he used to say, he said, uh, really, the only time that you can bring me a problem in the church is if you also come with the answer to the problem. That's right. Well, why? Well, because it's real easy to be on the outside, whether you're staff or not staff, and you look and say, like, why is this, da, da, da. Most people can pick out, like, I don't like this, well, I don't like that color, I don't, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But if you're going to actually bring a solution, well, then that's something that helps, and that's something that builds up, and that's something we can, we can pray about and see, like, is that the direction we should go? And, you know, the Lord works through people and works with people. And so he said, we'll find out that we're successful in direct proportion to how much they believe that we believe in them. And so I, I added, changed his little quote. You know, I believe the power of God in a person. Well, because why? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ in my union with Christ. In other words, Jesus is my source of life and strength and love and health and ability and wisdom and knowledge. It all comes from him. It's not originating in me and from me. Uh, we're not to see as anything of ourselves or from ourselves. All things are from God, Paul said. And so he is the source of real love. God is love. I better finish the quote. To respect a man is the first restoration of the self-respect he has lost. Our ideal of what he is, this is us believing in a person, becomes to him the hope and the pattern of what he may become. You ever have someone believe in you when you didn't even believe in yourself? What did that do on the inside of you? You're just like, oh, that's right, I can do it. The, Lord, the Lord's not against me. The Lord's for me. But what? He said right here, he said it's the first restoration of the self-respect he has lost. Somebody said, here's how the enemy works. Is he will put his foot out and trip you up and then blame you for falling. You idiot. Why did you fall? Well, you're the one, because your leg was out there. But you know what? When he blames you for falling, that's not in your consciousness. What happens immediately? Oh, why did I do that? What's wrong with me? Or I'm a bad person. Or This self-respect that he's talking about. You think like, everyone else does a great job. I don't. You know, everyone else, uh, the, talking to the things of the Lord, everyone else loves the Lord, you know, and has a spiritual, and I'm not spiritual. No, if you're born again, no one is more spiritual than you. There is no, like, um, access more for the Pope or your favorite minister or whoever more than you. If the Pope is not a believer, I'll tell you what, he doesn't have access. Hello. If I'm not a believer, I don't have access. It doesn't matter the natural position or titles or whatever that men make. What matters is the Lord. And what, where the Lord has... Put us and connected us. So, love believes the best, puts the best possible construction on every situation. And then we said that it's the love of God produced in the heart of the yielded saint by the Holy Spirit. The saint is one that is born again. You don't become a saint after you die and you did a bunch of good works. There's saints and sinners, according to the Bible. And so saints are those that are born again. You have become, uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, excuse me, chapter 5, he said, you have become the righteousness of God in Christ. Ho! In other words, when you're born again, you're God's righteousness. In other words, as righteous and right and good as God is, you have become that in Christ. Hope I didn't spin on It's a righteous spit. (laughs) Well, you say, yeah, but I don't feel righteous. I feel like I do everything. You're doing the exact same thing that woman was doing. But I hate my mother-in-law. And as soon as she decided, wait a second. The word says I have the love of God. And I noticed when I act in that way, like I hate you, that something down here was not liking that. So let me maybe go with the something down here. The second she did that, it was like automatic. Like, you know, I said earlier, it's not automatic. (laughs) What's not automatic is you have to get in line with the word. We think if it's the will of God, well, then I will just love it. It won't be any effort. Oh, no. Paul said, I keep my body under. I, he didn't say God keeps my body under. Paul said, I keep my body under. Mm -hmm. Under what? Under subjection. Lest when I have preached to others or told other people, this is what the Lord says. Or, you know what the Lord told me today? Lest when I have preached to others, I myself would be a castaway. What does that mean? Paul, the one that the Spirit of God used to write the largest number of books in the New Testament, Paul, who who had been beaten and stripped and gone through all of these different things, serving the Lord. That's the man that said, I have to keep my body under. I have to bring it into subjection, lest I myself would be a castaway. In other words, it's not automatic. You have to keep your body under. But you'll notice the second that you switch from yielding to the flesh and you say, no, I'm yielding to the Spirit of the Lord, I'm yielding to the Word, you get into the flow. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. It's like you have like a spring of water welling up, uh, psalm says, into everlasting life. Well, what happens when you tap into that spring? Well, then it's like you've got automatic pressure. Do you understand? I'm not confusing anybody. Automatic, not automatic. Right? Your body, you have to possess the land. I have given you the land to possess it. Now go and take it. Yeah, but there's giants in the land. We can't do it. I can't. They're looking after themselves. They're looking at their own ability. Well, I can't love my mother-in-law because I hate her. Actually, you don't hate her. The real you is, is, is who you are, your spirit. Whether you realize it or not, or recognize it or not, you are a spirit. The body that you have, I am how am I 43 years old. Well, my body did not look like this when I was five years old. But I was still me. And when I'm 99, my body will not look like it does now. But I'm still me. In fact, the outward man is perishing, Paul said, but the inward man is renewed day by day. So I'm not growing any older on the inside. But the outside has some changes. Healthy changes, but changes. I just get my words out there. I'll live long and healthy by the power of the Lord. If I don't believe and speak that now, it's going to be a little late when I'm uh, 88 years old and I decide like, oh, well, maybe I need to do something about that. No, you actually set spiritual laws in motion by speaking what you believe. So you, you, you speak what you believe from the word of God, and that actually sets spiritual laws in motion. And when you set those laws in motion, well, then you're, you're, you get into that flow, and you start experiencing what the word of God says on the positive or the negative. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So you're just going to say all those negative things? You better, you reap what you sow, you better, you better watch. So uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So he said uh, they're produced in the heart of the yielded saint by the Holy Spirit. And it is a love that impels one to deny himself for the sake of the one loved. And that's my favorite part of Weiss's translation because he basically sets the whole groundwork and defines love before he goes on and gives each different picture of love. And he says, it's a love, if it's the God kind of love, it's denying itself for the sake of the one loved. In other words, in my marriage, when I am tired and I am exhausted and I don't want to put the kids to bed and I don't want to get up with the kids in the middle of the night, if I am walking in love, I get up with the kids in the middle of the night. If I am just like yielding to my flesh, I'm like, Melody. <laughs> did you hear that? She'd be like, what, what? I'm this might have happened. <laughs> 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 hear what? Uh, uh, you know. Well then what? Well, maybe we're awake and I, I, I'm doing something, she's doing something, and I've got lots of time constraints, have to have this done. And she, I asked her, Melody, would you do this? And she doesn't do it. She goes and does something else mm-hmm. because I don't even know why. Probably Joel needed help. Well, then what? If I'm not walking in love, yeah. she just doesn't care. She doesn't understand the pressures I have. She doesn't understand what's going on. She doesn't understand. Well, if I'm walking in love, then I automatically know there's no way she would ever intend to do that. Mm-hmm. Love thinks no evil. Even if she did intend to do it, you know what love would say? Oh, she, did, she probably just needs some extra time. Maybe she... You know, I've made mistakes before, Well, she's made a mistake. You know, got in the flesh is what I'm talking about. You know, said something, done something you shouldn't do. If you really love that person, you're going to give them that grace and say like, oh, she must be having a rough day. You ever had that? You go to a restaurant. We had this, this waitress that was treating us horribly, and she just, it was an IHOP in Tulsa, and just doing all this type of stuff. Well, it rose up inside of us the love of God. We said, Are you okay? She's like, no, I just found out I think she was losing her apartment or her her, her, her kids and she was working two jobs. And so we just told her, you know, we love you, God loves you. Gave her a hundred dollar tip. She started crying. She's like, Are you guys faking me out? What is this? But I've done the same thing and not not even giving people money. You just ask them, hey, you know, because they're yelling, upset, and everything. Like, you know what? Something's bothering you. Can I pray for you? Like, what is it? Because that's not them. I mean, yeah, they're yielding to that. I'm not even saying it's a spirit necessarily. They're just yielding to the flesh. But when you stop and you just say, you know what? I'm gonna believe the best. I'm going to put the best possible construction on this situation. You will find out that uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 8, love never fails, comes to pass. I've tested that scripture in relationship situations. because You you look at that scripture and you think, that's not true. (laughs) In my experience, that's not true. Well, so when I first started meditating on that years and years ago, and I thought, Well, in most situations, love doesn't fail. But in my situation, I don't know if that's true. So I thought, I'm going to do it. And my flesh was like, oh, please don't. Please don't. They don't deserve it. You know, you don't want to go through the turmoil of that, you know, having mom-in-law over. That's not me. I'm telling that story. (laughs) It's not me. I just keep going back to that story for you. But you know what? I acted on that scripture in a situation, this is probably 20 years ago now, that I thought, based on my vast knowledge and wisdom, that that can't change. Do you know, it didn't change literally overnight, but I think within about 10 days, that came to pass, that love never fails. So I thought, you know what? They're treating me horrible but I'm going to love them with this kind of love. And I did it, and it was like not any better. But within, I think it was about 10 days, there was a change. Yes. Through faith and patience, Paul said, we inherit the promises. So a lot of times our faith, we want, well, I believe right now. Okay. Lord, I believe in you for $10,000. Where's the money? Stand with me, I'll finish this real quick. Uh, Verse uh, 7, verse 8 there. Love does not account evil or count up evil. Uh, Literally, it's reckons, not evil. What is reckons? Well, that means it's an accounting term, right? Yeah. So I looked that word up. It says to deliberate and so to suppose to account. So love does not account evil or reckon evil or suppose. In other words, love's not sitting there thinking about, man, I know they're trying to get me in this. I know they're after this. I know they're doing this. And this is why they're doing that. Right? It's deliberating about it, supposing it, counting up. Love thinks no evil. Well, you could just read right over that passage and think, oh, yeah, I don't think evil but you know if you drill down into that you find out oh maybe I kinda do you know some people think evil of people because uh, you know it makes them feel better about themselves if you can find a fault in someone else then maybe the spotlight's not on you so much love thinks no evil but puts the best possible construction on another person many times It's not someone's motives that you're having problems with. It's a struggle that someone else is having that's showing up ugly in your eyes. In other words, that's someone that's hurting, crying out for help, and they don't even understand. They don't know how to cope. They don't know how to deal with it. Maybe they they got tired, didn't feed on the Word, didn't uh, uh, pray, building themselves up doesn't really matter from our side of things we're there to help build them up believe in them come alongside them but you put the best possible construction Oh, I'm sure they must have done this that can't be how they are and love is of God amen every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior Well, then you've never really experienced or come to know the love that God is. God is love. Love is not selfish. Love is not self-centered. Love patiently and meekly bears ill treatment from others, is kind, gentle, benign, pervading and penetrating the whole nature mellowing all which would have been harsh and austere. It is not envious, it does not brag, does not show itself off, is not ostentatious, does not have an inflated ego, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek after the things which are its own, is not irritated, provoked, exasperated, or aroused to anger, does not take into account the evil things which it suffers, does not rejoice at the iniquity, but rejoices with the truth, endures all things, believes all things, hopes all things, bears up under all things, not losing heart or courage. Love never fails. And that's how God looks at you. He loves you with that kind of love because that's who He is. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, The moment you do, that kind of love comes on the inside of you and you are recreated in Christ Jesus. It's not because of your good works that you go to heaven. It's not because you're a good person by the world's standard or even by God's standard that you'd be a good person. Jesus said there's none good but God. It is because you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior that you gain entrance into the family of God and into heaven itself. If you'd like to receive Jesus this morning as your Lord and your Savior, don't wait another day. Don't, don't say, I'm going to put it off. I've got more time. You don't know how much time you have. God loves you. He has a place for you and a plan for you. If you'd like to receive Jesus this morning, just slip up your hand because I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. God loves you. He paid the price, gave His own Son so that you could have life. If that's you, just slip up your hand and I'll pray with you. I want to pray for you.